Welcome to Minimalish. I'm your host, Desiree, and this is a podcast about minimalism, sort of. It's a podcast about how living with less stuff and less distractions can help us focus on what's most important. So what you'll find here, of course, we will talk to cluttering and living with less, but we'll also talk about the important things in life and how to approach them intentionally. We'll approach topics of motherhood, home life, relationships, work, our health, and the important things in general that fill up our days. And what you won't find here, a perfectionist version of minimalism. I'm a mom, a full-time teacher, and a podcaster, and I've found the version of minimalism that you may find on Instagram or Pinterest to be unattainable. We aren't minimalism purists here. We're simply focused on living with less in a way that's realistic to us. It's a version of minimalism I personally like to call minimal-ish. The goal is not living with less for the sake of less here, or to make sure our homes make us look like a minimalist. The goal is living with less in a real way so that we can have more time and space and energy to focus on what matters most. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive into this week's episode. I'm so excited to be bringing you the first episode in a new series that I plan to have ongoing for a long time on this podcast, and that is Minimalism Stories. It's not a super creative title, but I just wanted it to kind of be obvious of what these episodes were. And what they are is a place for stories, a place for us to learn from one another's stories. When I started on my journey to minimalism, my favorite thing, the most motivating and inspiring thing for me was to hear other people's stories. Step-by-step was helpful, you know, finding some kind of system to help me do the decluttering was helpful, but what was most impactful is to just hear other stories their why for minimalism and how minimalism changed their lives, where they started in their homes, and what their greatest tips are to get started. We are all so different. We all have different lives, different families, different circumstances, and we can all learn from one another's stories, whether we have something in common or not. But I think the more stories that we listen to, the more stories we hear, the more well-rounded information we get, the more motivation we get, the more we realize that we can do this too. This is possible for us. And maybe it will look different than one person's story. Maybe it will look more similar to another's. But my goal with these episodes is a place to be inspired, a place to feel like we're not alone in this journey of just simplifying our lives, whatever that looks like for you. I am starting off this series by talking to Emily McDermott. She's an Air Force wife and a mom of two boys living in Fairfax, Virginia, and she writes on her blog, Simple by Emmy, which is where she chronicles her journey to a simpler and more intentional life. I love this conversation with Emily. I hope you enjoy this series and especially this kickoff to the series. I certainly just enjoy having conversations and hearing about others' journeys. So let's dive right into my conversation with Emily. Well, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today, Emily. This is my first episode of this series, which I'm really excited about. So I'm excited to hear about your journey overall all the ways minimalism has benefited you. But before we dive into all of that, uh, I want to hear a little bit about who you are and what you do. And then you can also tell us kind of how long minimalism has been a value in your life. 
Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Desiree. And I am honored to be the first in this series. That's so exciting. Um, so I'm Emily. I've been married to my husband, Pat, for almost 14 years. I really had to do the math because sometimes I forget <laughs> how long we've been married. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom to my two boys. They are six and four and a half. So they definitely keep me busy. But when I am not taking care of them, I also am a writer. So I am a custom poetry writer. If anyone wants an interesting experience gift of writing a, uh, me, me writing a poem for their loved one, let me know. But I also blog about minimalism and intentional living and have really been on that journey for almost eight years now. And that's been um, just life-changing, which I know we'll talk about. But I'm also uh, one of your podcasting students, which I'm very excited about. And I'm working on a podcast for moms in a similar season of life as I am that are looking to simplify and um, just explore these concepts. So that's a little bit about me. I love that. And I'm so excited for you for starting your podcast. That's amazing. I know that it's coming soon. So anyone who's listening now should go and find Emily. Where can they find you on Instagram so they can like keep up to date with all of that? Sure. Thank you. Yes. So my handle is simple by Emmy, E-M-M-Y. And everything about the upcoming podcast, which I plan to call Moms Overcoming Overwhelm, as long as there's no trademark violations, <laughs> um, that will all be there. Okay, perfect. So all exciting things. Um, I love that, you know, minimalism has been a part of your life for uh, much longer than I've even you know, I've <laughs> been exploring minimalism. So I'm excited to hear from you and learn from you as well today. What did life before minimalism look like for you? If you kind of want to give us a picture of, you know, what, what was life before minimalism and then we'll get to kind of the after. Yeah, definitely. So I discovered minimalism actually through Leah Babauta. He writes at Zen Habits, but he also has some different programs, including a habits program I was in called Sea Change Habits. And it was really interesting. I love habits. I'm kind of a habits geek because I wanted to get uh, definitely my life more in order. I was feeling very overwhelmed at the time. My husband and I had been married, uh, you know, since 2008. We were diagnosed with unexplained infertility which is a nice way of saying there's nothing physically wrong with you. You just have a lot of trouble having kids. So we were at the time, at the end of 2014, we were going through fertility treatments, which is extremely stressful. And also I was working full time. And when I started this habits program, some of the background information and the bonus information provided in the program included the minimalists, um, their book, everything that remains and live a meaningful life. And that was kind of the catalyst for me. But right before that, I just figured this was how life was, you know, you, you go to school, you get the job, you work hard. And the fact that you have a ton of to do's and you have all of this physical stuff around you and you're constantly like, what do I do next? What do I do next? That was just normal. 
but the problem was I felt like it was clouding the way for me to be able to have a baby, which at the time was what I wanted the most. Yeah, that is amazing that minimalism had been a part of helping you through this really hard time in your life and um, a struggle that I'm sure was very heavy on both you and your husband. Yeah, the stress of stuff can be a huge stress that I don't think we even realize most of the time. Mm -hmm. So whenever you learned about minimalism through this habits course through the book that you read by the minimalists. How did you get started? Like what, what was the first room in the home that you started in? Um, what kind of finally made you take that step to get started? Yeah. So the concepts that were being introduced in the minimalist books, um, I guess there were two of them that I read kind of back to back. One was everything that remains, which is kind of like the memoir and then minimalism, live a meaningful life, which talks more about some of the principles and just this idea of being able to uncover what actually matters to you by getting rid of the things that don't really resonated with me because I felt I've always kind of dealt with, let's just say control issues. <laughs> I really like to be in, in charge of my you know, destiny and what's going on. And yet here I was struggling with infertility and being told, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with you and there's not a lot you can do like, okay, well, uh, what can I do? Well, I can control the stuff in my home. I can control what I'm saying. Yes. And no to, I can control the boundaries I have in relationships and my self-talk and all of that kind of stuff so that I could make that physical and emotional room to make room for a baby. So how I dove in I kind of dove in definitely with being excited about all of it. And I was trying to remember where in my home did I actually start? Because <laughs> it's kind of a blur. But I am pretty sure I started with what I would call low-hanging fruit. So it's stuff that I knew that I didn't need. I didn't have an emotional attachment to. We're very lucky that I have a Goodwill donation center less than two miles away. I know that I made several trips there. Um, and so I definitely would recommend for other people, and this is pretty common advice, but starting in those unemotional areas, like your car, your bathroom. And also I feel like a lot of times, uh, when you finally realize, Hey, I have too much stuff and I want to get rid of the excess, you're paralyzed by this. Well, how do I do that responsibly? How do I do that? So it's, you know, not just ending up at the dump. Well, the truth is that that can really stop you from getting started in the first place. And so I feel like more permission needs to be given, quote unquote, to people at the beginning of their journeys to just take however many trips to Goodwill or whatever as you need to, to get through those first layers of stuff so that you can start gaining momentum. Then you can be more mindful maybe about decluttering in the future about, okay, what nonprofits are important to me? What buy nothing group is near me? Can my kids preschool use some of these toys that my kids don't play with? And you can be more mindful once you aren't so overwhelmed. So that would be my biggest um, advice for getting started is just like, don't feel guilty because you're starting your journey. You need to focus on just getting this stuff out of your house. <laughs> however you need to. 
Yeah. I, I love that advice because I think it's so true. We get caught up in this guilt whenever we already have the overwhelm of all the stuff that we're trying to declutter. The process of decluttering can be overwhelming. So, you know, if we can just at least let that go for the first part of our journey, then we can be more focused on it in, in the long run. Like you said, I think too, if we're feeling that way, we can kind of use that, like don't use it to stress yourself out while, while you're decluttering, but use it for the future of just encouragement to not continue to bring so much stuff into the house, you know, so you don't have to Mm -hmm. deal with that again. What has been the most impactful space to declutter for you? Probably my closet, but maybe not for the reasons that people would think. Uh, The main reason is because it was when I started the journey filled with so much what I call and other people call aspirational clutter. So clutter around who you used to be or who you think you're going to be, but not who you are right now. And so when we were lucky enough to conceive and then I had our oldest in 2016, I realized, okay, I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. I, you know, I'm not going to be going back to an office setting anytime soon, but I had so many dresses. I had a dress problem, (laughs) I'll call it. Um, It had been my weakness for years and years. And I had to recognize the fact that I don't need all of these dresses So then another thing that kind of paralyzes people is the, oh, I paid so much for this conversation, right? But I had paid a lot of money for those dresses. But what I tried to do instead of focusing on how much I was paying, I had paid for all of them, focusing on how they could benefit other women. Uh, And I found a local organization here in Northern Virginia called Women Giving Back, that specifically for women and for kids. And so I focused on that instead of how much I paid. So that helped. But then also, and I know you can um, appreciate this as you've kind of gone through um, pregnancies and kind of postpartum period, you're adjusting to your new postpartum body, not so much the season of life and that you're doing different things, but that your body is different. And I realized I was holding on to all these things that no longer fit me. And it was just making me feel really bad about myself like picking up a pair of shorts and realizing, oh my gosh, yes, these do not fit me. They're uncomfortable. And then feeling bad, like, well, you should have lost more weight by now. You should have done this. You should have done that. And getting rid of those freed up, you know, physical space. Of course, it's nice to have like a clean closet, but I feel like the impact was more the emotional burden. It was lifting from me because it was recognizing that who I was right then in that moment was fine. I didn't have to be different to wear certain dresses. I didn't have to be different to fit into these clothes. And when we take the time to remove the emotional burden from our closet, when we have to get dressed every day, it is, in my opinion, one of the most life-changing areas in your home. I can fully agree with that for sure. And it's funny because I when we decluttered for the first time around, it was when I was postpartum with my first daughter. So mm-hmm. I always say like postpartum is a great time to declutter the closet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As long as you can get yourself into that mental space of like, I'm letting go of anything that doesn't fit me right now, unless it's like something, you know, something you loved before you really want to keep, but get it out of your closet, at least put it somewhere else for now. It's really easy to just let go of those things and realize like I can start from scratch or at least start from 
a place of like not already having all these things that don't fit me in here. I can have space in my closet to kind of fill up with things that actually fit me. And you're so right. It makes getting dressed in the morning so much better <laughs> whenever yeah. you have things that fit you. I always say like, unless you are in a nudist colony, <laughs> like everyone has to get dressed. So why would one of the first things we have to do every single day of our lives, why do we want to feel like crap about ourselves? You know what I mean? Like first thing in the morning. So I just, I feel like it's so important. Um, and whether your struggle is, I wish I still fit into this, or I paid so much money for this or whatever the case may be, realize that all of those thoughts that you're constantly having are taking up space in your brain and your heart that could be used for far, far more important things. Um, so that's my soapbox about <laughs> the closet. <laughs> so it's so important. It's so good. When it comes to like minimalism for your entire family, this is probably one of the biggest questions I get. You probably get it too, of just like, you know, getting your family on board in general. So is your family on board and have you seen minimalism benefit your family? And if so, like what has been some, what has been some of the biggest benefits that you've seen? Yeah, definitely. So I would say, yes, my family is on board. My husband's joke is that if it's not nailed down, I might take it, <laughs> which is not entirely true. Um, but honestly, he's been very, very supportive and I never pushed it on him. You know, all the things you're supposed to do, starting with your own stuff, just kind of mentioning, hey, I'm bringing donations, you know, this week, do you have anything for me? That kind of thing. Um, I'm in charge of the kids stuff primarily. So that has been more of like age appropriate ways of figuring out what they're playing with, what they're not playing with, giving to their schools so that they can still see the toys without um, having to have them in my house. So all in all, I've been very blessed that I have a supportive family, but the biggest benefit for me has been my mental and emotional health through the entire journey from when we were trying to conceive and now two kids later, it's just really helped me be a better wife and mom. I don't know what my life would be like if I had not discovered a more minimalist lifestyle, uh, because I still struggle, you know, I have therapy and medication for things having to do with some hormonal fluctuations and anxiety and that kind of thing. I can't even imagine what it would have been like, um, if I had just had all of the stuff kind of pressing down on me, you know? So I would say that in every season of my motherhood, after the birth of my first son, when I was just exhausted from motherhood, I was so grateful to have my life simplified. When we unexpectedly had another baby and then I had two under two, it helped me because I had postpartum anxiety and I just needed to minimize the stuff, the decisions, everything for the sake of my mental health. And now it's helping me because I'm um, very sensitive to external stimuli, like loud noises, lots of visual clutter, being constantly touched by my kids and talked to by my kids, which is pretty normal at their ages. And it's like a tool in my toolkit to help me 
um, kind of drown out the noise of what doesn't matter. So I can actually focus on being the best mom and wife I can be and the best person that I can be, I guess. Yeah. I, I think like what you described there is so common, so much more common than we think as moms. A lot of us probably feel like we're the only ones feeling that way. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you know, overstimulation and it, it's a real thing in motherhood, whether, it's something you struggled with before motherhood or not. There's just so much more like stimulation happening with all the noise and (laughs) all the touching and everyone on top of you at once. So it is, you know, minimalism can be such a help in that. And I am glad to hear that it has benefited you in that way. And I'm sure because, because that has been such a help for you that, that of course, in part, also benefits your family because you are uh, better able to be available and there for them because you're not as overwhelmed by all the things, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And, you know, it's, I just want to be very clear that just like anything else, minimalism doesn't solve all of your problems or mm-hmm. anything. Um, it's, you know, I'm still, I'm still struggling with adjusting to things as a parent that, you know, as the kids get older, there's different challenges, but when you aren't having your life, like literally cluttered by all the stuff or that you can have your calendar reflect what you want for yourself and your values and not just having us run from place to place to place all the time. That is my sanity. Like that is what is keeping me grounded and able to function, um, as a human being. Um, yeah. So it's been incredibly, incredibly impactful for me. Yeah. So good. Well, I kind of, when I was thinking about, um, the series that I wanted to do, I just thought it would be fun to have this discussion on like something you didn't expect about minimalism. So as you started your journey, you probably had an idea of what minimalism could look like or, you know, what it would feel like for your family. But as you got into your journey or as you're farther along in your journey, as it became true part of your family life, um, what is something that you didn't expect that is true about minimalism for you? Yeah, I love this question because <laughs> a lot of times when people are starting and they're like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. I'm getting all this stuff out of my house. Like, I just feel better about everything. I feel lighter, all of that. Yes, 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 definitely. But what I didn't expect was that um, when you start removing the excess, it's revealing your true self. It's revealing who you are at the core and you may not like what you come face to face with when you remove all of that clutter and the distractions. You might realize that there are things that you might really need to you know, work on or that are kind of um, preventing you from reaching the goals you have in your life. So for me, it was realizing as I was having trouble with some of these more difficult areas, like the sentimental items or the aspirational clutter, those types of things, you are realizing what is behind the stuff, the attachments you have, 
your fears, your limiting beliefs, what you say your values are, and if you actually are living your values out or not. And so you're kind of like peeling away the onion, but the onion is making you cry (laughs) as you're peeling the layers because it's coming to that true self. And maybe you've been hiding that behind all your stuff. So that is what I did not expect. And I am still kind of amazed by it as I continue this again, another thing you don't expect. It's a never ending journey. It's not like you reach the end point of decluttering your life and you get a trophy and then you're done. It's a constant process and evolution bringing you back to the person that you, that you are and who you want to be. Yeah, that is so true. As you were saying that I was thinking like, oh yeah, that, you know, I have felt that so many times, although it might be a tough thing about minimalism, it's also such a good thing uh, because we are able to focus on those deeper, important things in our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So I have really been loving this conversation so much. I want to hear a little bit about your advice for someone who is just getting started. Yes, for sure. There is a lot of advice out there. (laughs) And of course you can go to Pinterest, right? And five five billion decluttering plans. Um, But I am going to give advice that I think few people focus on. And you alluded to this earlier, that if you struggle with clutter, you have to figure out the root cause, which a lot of times comes back to your consumption habits. And it's not like the exciting, like sexy part of decluttering and minimalism, right? You don't have a lot of like Pinterest plans that are how to consume less, right? It's more like get rid of the stuff you have. And so I, if you think about, let's say that you wanted to lose weight. So you're carrying this excess weight, then you're going to look at what food and drink you're consuming. If you have negative thoughts floating around in your head, you're going to look at what you're consuming. What media are you consuming? What relationships are in your life? What voices are influencing you and your self-talk? But for some reason, and I don't really know why, we spend the majority of our energy on decluttering, but then not nearly enough energy on figuring out why we're buying so much in the first place. So my best advice is, yes, start with the decluttering. It doesn't matter necessarily what plan you choose or what book you read. I really liked uh, The Minimalist Home. And I know you talked to Joshua Becker about that. But another one I read was uh, Decluttering at the Speed of Life by Dana K. White. Both of those I would highly recommend. But get that first big wave of stuff out of your house. And then when you feel less overwhelmed, you feel like you can breathe, you feel like you can actually think, then figure out how how you're going to curb your consumption to keep the stuff you don't need out of your house in the first place. So that is my best piece of advice. That's such good advice. Can I ask you what, how, how did you kind of deal with that in your own life? Yeah. Oh, definitely. So I remember kind of, again, you go through those, those first waves of things. And for me, the focus at the beginning was what you know, what season of life am I, in, am I in right now? And realizing where kind of that aspirational clutter was coming from, because I have a lot of like, all your listeners, I'm sure, 
I have big dreams and hopes and plans for my life. <laughs> and a lot of times we think that certain things are going to help us with that. And that's not necessarily the case. So then it ends up just being clutter. So for me, going back to the dresses, it was, okay, I'm not going to bring more dresses into my house because that is not in my, the, what uh, my season of life is reflecting right now. Or okay, I really want to start decluttering some of these books that I never read. So from now on, I'm either going to do Kindle only for books or library books. And that is just how I'm going to stop the stream of that coming in. Um, for Amazon purchases, keeping it in the cart for a couple of days, talking to my husband, making sure it's something that makes sense, not just something where I think, oh yes, I'm going to get this kitchen gadget. And all of a sudden I'm going to be, you know, spiralizing butternut squash or something. I don't know. Um, so it was really looking at what was reflecting my true life and my true self versus my aspirational self and then curbing consumption in those areas. Yeah, that's so good. The It's interesting too, to think about like how much of that is, somewhat of like habit change because you were probably used to buying dresses for the work that you did before becoming a mother. And so maybe after, even after you decluttered, it would be like a habit to go back to the same stores or online or wherever and look at dresses. Right. And mm -hmm. it just like takes a couple times of realizing and saying no of like, okay, but I don't actually need this. Like, this isn't who I am anymore. This isn't the life I have anymore. And I saw this uh, like meme on Instagram the other day about Amazon and it said my Amazon save for later cart is probably up to like $2 million right now, <laughs> but, but that's such an easy way to really, you know, you can put things in your Amazon cart and you can let them sit there for a couple of days. And then when you actually need something on Amazon, like if you buy diapers on there or something, you hit that save for later button. It's like, it's mentally like, okay, I'm not necessarily like, I don't have to fully say no to this right now, mm -hmm. but you're probably, once you hit safer later, at least for me, I like never come back to it, <laughs> which means yeah. I didn't need it in the first place. Right. So that's uh, a good way to kind of do that. You can let things sit in your cart. You can save it for later, but yeah, it's probably not something you need <laughs> after mm -hmm. a couple of days. What are some of your favorite resources? I know you mentioned a few of them um, with Joshua Becker and Dana K. White. What are some other favorite resources that have kind of helped you or that you suggest to other moms on their journey? Yeah, so I do primarily read, because I, because I blog about these topics, I primarily read nonfiction books about simplicity and minimalism and that kind of thing. But I know that most moms like myself are probably more likely to listen to podcasts while they're on the go or doing stuff around the house. So some of my favorite, besides yours, of course, um, <laughs> are the Minimalist Moms podcasts and also the Maximized Minimalist. And I think that there's a good variety of topics that are covered um, and so if it was a mom starting out, actually, I think all three of you ladies are moms. Um, and so that's really great uh, to kind of hear your guidance and also from your guests. I also recently have been loving the Lazy Genius podcast uh, with Kendra Dachi. 
So she's all about, it's being lazy about what doesn't matter and a genius about what does. And so it's very more about like the intention behind what you're doing and why. And the last one I would give is the Systemize Your Life podcast, because once you understand, okay, this is kind of what I want life to look like, then you want to have systems to support that. And the host, um, Chelsea Joe Moore, she's really great about figuring out, okay, how do we, you know, create these systems that support the life that we want? So those would be my, my favorites. Well, thank you for your kind words about minimalish. And also, yeah, these are all great suggestions. I know like anything that I am kind of pursuing in life, like whether it be health and fitness or um, financial goals, things like that. Anytime I do that, if I can surround myself, surround my ears with like podcasts about that, it always helps. So that's such a good suggestion to just not that like, books are amazing too. There's always mm-hmm. audiobooks, but just having a podcast on in the background um to encourage you in your journey is always helpful. So, thank you for those recommendations. Um sure. something that I want to end with cuz I love talking about what we're learning, what we're learning right now. I'm all about learning. I am a 12th grade teacher as well. So I love just, I feel like life is a lifelong learning journey. Um, so what is something right now that you are learning about minimalism? Yeah. So I actually contacted my alumni, um, library and to find out what like scientific journals I can access because I'm a big geek, I guess. (laughs) Um, but I have been reading lots of scientific scientific literature about minimalism and simplicity and so forth. And I came across this concept called the experiential advantage. There's a lot of research on it. And essentially it means that experiences make us happier than material things, which is a central idea in minimalism, right? We're always talking about, you know, let's collect memories, not things, experiences over things, this whole thing. And while this is true, what I found interesting, it's actually not true for everyone. And the reason is that there is this inherent social class bias, which would mean like your wealth or your access to materials and so forth. And so people in lower social classes are actually made happier by material purchases and not so much the experiences Um, And there's some research that I'm exploring about that. So what I'm looking into right now is experiences over things. Yes, but maybe not for everybody all the time. So that's my, my geeky uh, answer to that question. (laughs) Well, that's really interesting because I think, you know, so many times just the concepts in minimalism in general, we can say them and think that, you know, if they apply to me, they must apply to everyone, but with everything that's never that's almost never true right Mm -hmm. so just really interesting to think about um well I have loved this conversation so much thank you for your time and for sharing so much about your own journey and so many tips for others getting started I hope you enjoyed this conversation and this first episode in the minimalism stories series 
I loved hearing from Emily and just the different places that she started decluttering in her home, the different impactful spaces for her, and just the way that minimalism has really changed her life in general. Whatever place you are in your journey with minimalism right now, I hope Emily's story and encouragements has impacted you in some way and given you something that you can take away and use and take action on. Thank you so much for being here today and for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, would you share it with a friend or share it on Instagram or whatever social media platform you like to share things on? And I will talk to you right back here again next week.